0: from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com.
1: Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 19th. This is the 44th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are the co-producers of a new documentary on the incredible life of James Beard, and we also have a special guest in the studio, and I will introduce everyone shortly. First, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip, Then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to be a pioneer. And how does one do that exactly? Well, it's not easy, but I think it's done by being real and being committed to what you believe in, no matter what others think. It takes a strong person to stand up for something, especially if it's not what's already popular and approved. But those who stick with their guns are often those who make a difference and impact on society. So be true to yourself, and you may become the next pioneer who influences the world, and that would be a very cool thing. So that's my tip today. Now, I have a special episode because I have two amazing people in the studio and one calling in. Here in-house, we have special guest Ronnie Rodriguez, the gregarious maitre d' of Chef's Dinner Series, and his lovely wife, Kathleen Squires, a serial traveler and award-winning journalist whose work has spanned book, blog, newspaper, and glossy. Kathleen is currently co-producing America's First Foodie, a documentary feature film on the incredible life of James Beard. And on the phone, we have her co-producer and director, Beth Federici, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and television producer based out of Portland, Oregon. So welcome, everyone. Thanks. Hi, guys.
1: Thanks for having us, Shari. So excited to be here.
2: It's great to be here.
3: And Me too. Even better so to-
2: nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Welcome from the West Coast. Uh, yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. So I figured I want to get into the film, but I figured first because Ronnie, you're here with us, and you have this special dinner series you're doing. So why don't you why don't you tell us a bit about it and why how did you get started doing this dinner series?
3: Well, my dinner series uh, that we call Chef's Dinner Series um, is a series of dinner parties essentially that uh, was inspired by a visit that Kathleen and I made to Argentina. In Buenos Aires, they have something called Puerta Cerrada, which essentially means closed door. And a Puerta Cerrada experience is essentially a private dinner party thrown by the chef. So instead of going to a restaurant to dine and taste the chef's food, what he'll do is that, or what she might do, is invite a group of guests to come to his or her personal residence and prepare a four-course wine-paired meal. It's very uh, interesting in a number of ways because the chef can go in new directions, try out new stuff, um, and then you get to meet really interesting people who have come across the same experience and interchange ideas and get to know people that you have otherwise no other occasion to run into. And we have found that to be such a fun experience that we thought we'd transplant it to New York.
2: Yes, well, having gone to a couple, well, I know I went to, did I go to two? I definitely went to one at your, you started doing this now in your home or your second, your second edition of your home. So, um, and now you've moved, you're doing it in restaurants now. So how has it progressed? Because it's having gone, it was a fabulous experience and I really enjoyed it.
3: Uh, well. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you feel that way, Sherry. Uh, it's, we've been getting great feedback, and I think the, the numbers uh, speak f- to that, in that it started off as a, as a hobby, really. I mean, who doesn't want to throw uh, a dinner party and uh, have friends over and a chef and have great food and great wine? I know that uh, that's something that Kathleen and I live for, and I think you do as well. So it started off more or less as a hobby, and our first featured guest was Top Chef Master's Carmen Gonzalez, who happened to be in New York, and she guided me through the ins and outs of what is essentially a private restaurant, and we had our first dinner party in April of 2013, and since then, we've had about 18 uh, events featuring... TV chefs featuring Michelin-starred chefs, and even a few uh, well-known personalities.
2: And now you're doing, there's a partnership, right?
3: Well, what's happening is that uh, at one of the dinners, one uh, executive of a media company came up to me and said, you know, this is fantastic. Uh, We love what you're doing here. Everyone walks away having had a great time. Uh, maybe because they're little tips, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we create an atmosphere of fun and gregariousness, and it's really rare to have the opportunity to meet someone new and then have two or three hours of great conversation over great food and wine. And they thought that that is something that they wanted to include into their lineup. And so since then, I've been working with them and through them, others, to create this kind of experience for sponsors who wish to have their brand names exposed to uh, this kind of situation, so that people come in, have a great time, and walk away very thankful to the brand and remembering the brand. Um, And, in fact, uh, tonight I'm off to host uh, the last one for 2014.
2: And who is the chef tonight?
3: The chef tonight is going to be One, David Boulet, whom Ah, I'm sure you've heard of. (laughs) I
2: have heard of him. Not too shabby. (laughs) uh,
3: He's actually going to be hosting our group at uh, his private test kitchen in uh, downtown Manhattan. And this is uh, an experience that will be categorized as a priceless experience under the MasterCard sponsorship
2: awesome i 'm sorry i 'm not going to the one tonight, but i have i have been i went to barbara Sibley's. Um yeah they've they 're really special experiences because they 're intimate and you do get to try the food of a chef that as you were saying at the beginning, they experiment a little bit and they give you dishes they may not have on the regular menu so it 's nice congratulations
3: thank you thank you very much you 're
2: welcome so now let's get into the documentary a bit. So now I've known both of you for a while, um, more from, I think it was the event circuit, probably going to the James Beard Awards. And um, so now you, Kathleen and Beth, you've been working on this documentary. What, what inspired you to, to collaborate on this? Well, um, Beth is an old friend of mine from college.
1: And we were, uh, she had, we reconnected when she was living in Hoboken, near New York City, and Beth had moved back to Portland, Oregon. And one night, while we were we, we were keeping in touch, we were Skyping, I had told her, I just came back from James the James Beard house, a the dinner there. And Beth said, what? You, you had dinner at James Beard's house? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I started telling her about the foundation and how the foundation hosts dinners within James Beard's house. And I also realized, oh hey, James Beard is actually from Portland, Oregon. Did did you know that? And that's when I think Beth's head kind of exploded,
2: right, Beth? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And when was that about? How um, how many
1: years ago? Oh, this was probably two years ago.
4: Okay. Um, yeah, almost two years. It was January um, of 2013 that we had that conversation, and uh, we did a little research and realized that there had not been a feature-length documentary about James Beard. Um, And as uh, one of the interviewees in our film says, you know, everybody knows the name, but they may not know who he is, but everybody knows the name James Beard, we realized that it was long overdue. And we probably started our first Portland uh, shooting in um, March and then came to the James Beard Awards in uh, May and continued to shoot and have been shooting ever since.
2: Yeah, so Beth, your background is in film, um, but you had never done anything on, in the food world before. So um, what's, this, what's this process been like? Um, how, did you, how did you come up with the people that, the luminaries are the people that to talk um, to? I know I've seen a snippet at the last year's awards, which was really great. Um, so what's the process been like? Well, we... well, I have to say first that <clears throat> I could never have made this film
4: if Kathy hadn't been so incredibly connected in the food world, um, because she is able to, was able to get through doors that I would not have ever been able to on my own. Um, and, and that being said, she already knew a lot. And of course, you know, as a as a documentary filmmaker, I'm an avid researcher. I went out and got every book that existed, and I started reading them and doing online research and certain names kept popping up obviously Judith Jones who was his editor we knew we needed to get Judith and um... And the folks at the Four Seasons because he had worked with restaurant associates and uh, Charlie and Hillary Baum who are the children of Joe Baum who opened the Four Seasons and Windows on the World and then just through through various people they would say oh did you know this person I can put you in touch with this person I mean that's that's literally still happening um today. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, we, we still have a little bit of shooting to do because wonderful, wonderful people, um, you know, just kind of keep coming onto our radar. As, as we like to say, the hand of James Beard has really been at work here as far as the serendipity and the generosity of everybody that's participated. And Sherry, so one of that's, that's kind of how the process has been going
1: great. One of our goals, to Shari, was to um, interview people on different levels about James Beard, uh, mm-hmm. the people who knew him as a friend, the people who worked with him, the people who were mentored by him, and then people who are prominent food figures in the industry who may not have known him but were either won James Beard awards or were influenced by him in some way.
2: Right. Now, Kathleen, I've known you as a writer, and is this your first experience working on a film? Yes. Yes, and what's that been like? Because you're you're an amazing. I mean, with writing, it's it's knowing the subject and interviewing people, and I just I'm imagining you you translated that into now working on a film. Well,
1: thanks to Beth's expertise and guidance, um, it really the process for me was. It's just a wonderful learning process. I really did not know anything about filmmaking, and that's why Beth and I complement each other so well, is that you know I come from the food perspective, and she comes from the documentary perspective. And what I was surprised to learn is that making a documentary is a lot like writing a story. You're doing the research. You're doing the interviews. You have all of these transcripts you have to go through from them, and you're you're fitting them together to tell a story. So... I was surprised to see how similar the process was.
2: Right, well, that makes sense. Um, okay, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back talk more about the James Beard documentary. So stay with us. This is all in the industry and here at a Trader Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Kathleen Squires and Beth Federici, the co-producers of America's First Foodie. And we were talking with Ronnie Rodriguez of the Chef's Dinner Series. Okay, so I want to get more into this James Beard documentary and find out what what you guys find out talking all these people What did we find out? You'll have to wait for the
4: movie, Sherry. I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, Well, I think that one of the things that I really, having been someone who really didn't know very much about him, but knowing that, you know, that the James Beard Foundation and the dinners um, at the awards, they're very prestigious – um, and, you know, very kind of hot, if you will, um, but that he was really an incredibly down-to-earth person. He grew up on the West Coast in Portland, and I think he brought that West Coast kind of mentality to New York, even though he lived in New York for 50 years. He, um, he always, always had a, a foot in Oregon, and I think Um, That really informed his palate and informed his cooking classes, and um, I think that that's probably maybe a little bit of a misconception people have. I think they assume that he was this very fancy chef when, in fact, if you ever called him a chef, he would say, I am not a chef, Uh, you know. Andre Sermain is a chef You know, these wonderful people that he worked with Were chefs He would call himself a cook Because that's really what he was He learned to cook from his mother And um, from reading He was a, a voracious reader And so he, he really, I think uh, Was a lot more um, Small town boy uh, Even though he was, lived in the big city for so long then I don't think people quite realize that Kathy, anything else that you want to add?
1: I <clears throat> I actually was surprised to find out that um, even though he had the first uh, cooking show on television, that he actually was not quite telegenic. <laughs> and that his show was canceled. I think this is a great little fact, too. He was sponsored by... Um, was it Borden? Borden. Yeah, Borden. Yeah. And the sponsor pulled their sponsorship because they didn't think TV was going to work out as a new technology. So that was surprising to tell It's all about out.
2: radio. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I also think that people, um, I think because the foundation has done such a great uh, job of keeping his name alive, I don't think people realize that he was born in 1903 and that he saw every great technology you can imagine, starting with the radio um, and the first car. He went on a a car ride with one of the first families in Portland that had a car, and he was first on television. So talking about pioneers, I mean, he was one himself, but he also was living in an age of pioneer and pioneerism. And so um, I think thinking about the way it was to be a food writer in 19... 35, and um, it was very different than the world today. And I, I think that the Internet has made not only research so much easier, but FedEx. You know, I had uh, Larry Forgione, who owned, was a very famous chef in New York and had a restaurant called An American Place that actually James Beard helped name, um, talks about that he had, you when know, he worked at the River Cafe first... He had a, they had a full-time staff person whose only job was to go to the airport multiple times a day to pick up ingredients. And then when FedEx came along and all of a sudden you had door-to-door delivery every day, that that just changed the landscape of what you know restaurants could do. Um, and so I think that that's also what we want to remind people is that he was working at a time when when it was it was a desert out there, and knowledge was hard to come by. You couldn't just get on the internet and and look up a recipe. You know, that's why he answered his phone all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine calling up Bobby Flay, like having his number listed in the phone book and asking him, "Hey, I tried to make this recipe and it didn't work. What happened?" I mean, James Beard always answered his own phone. His door was open um, because people needed that. Um, you know that resource, and I think we take it for granted today that all of this information is at our fingertips. And he had to actually really go out to those places and find those restaurants and discover them and discover the recipes and bring them back to the rest of us. And uh, I, I think that the industry wouldn't be as successful as it is today if uh, if he hadn't been willing to do that.
2: James Beard definitely did not rely on Yelp back <laughs> <laughs> no and it's funny with the phone call because i mean i, I suggested or i told you about this um bob marcelli who i had on the show who i randomly met and he had told me on the show that he had randomly just like looked up james beard number in the phone book and called him and he picked up the phone and that's how he got connected to him so it's mm-hmm. it's it's true i mean that is that is how it worked um,
4: exactly, exactly very and, different uh, no emailing <laughs> yeah, no emailing, mm-hmm. no personal assistance, no you know entourage following you around he He just went out, even though he was a huge celebrity, he always welcomed people, always you know gave autographs and took pictures with people he was He was really very generous of spirit and of knowledge, and I think what another thing that people don 't realize is that he was incredibly knowledgeable on all of the arts. He started out as an opera singer and an actor. His mother loved the arts, took him to the theater, to museums, to the opera which he maintained his whole life and he could talk to you intelligently on a variety of topics um we interviewed uh Ariane Batterberry who was one of the founders of Food and Wine magazine yes. and she was friends with him and she said actually when we would be hanging out with him socially we didn't talk about food we talked about everything else we talked about opera we talked about the arts we talked about politics so he was really really a well-rounded um, you know bon vivant uh in a way that we don't necessarily I think see anymore people are very kind of specialized and i think he he really had a broad artistic knowledge, and that, I think, informed, you know, his attitudes towards food and dining and, and good living.
2: Did you get into the design of the Beard House at all? Because he lived there, right, with all the mirrors, yeah. and, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's a very unique place. <laughs>
4: it is and um you know what his good friend Jerry Lamb who we've interviewed who lives here in Portland who is uh, an antique dealer and interior designer um was uh, one of the designers um i think probably maybe the last person Um, to uh, give a facelift to the house, you know, in the last probably 20 years of his life. Um, So, yeah, Jerry was very involved in the mirrors and the outside shower and, you know. But if you've ever been in the Beard House and walked upstairs, it's almost impossible to imagine this man being able to fit up that staircase because he was, you know, 6'4", 6'5" and many pounds and that staircase is windy and narrow so um you know as old brownstones were i think he was just too big for the bathroom so <laughs> that's why he wanted the outside shower
2: okay i think he was an
4: <laughs>
1: exhibitionist too a bit
4: of a well, he certainly was not shy
2: <laughs> well i like i do like the bathroom with all the mirrors because you can see the <laughs> back of your hair and you can get all angles exactly <laughs> exactly so what, what now you guys did a Kickstarter campaign, which um, was successful. And Correct. so what, what was the purpose of doing that? And um, congratulations. I, I am one of the backers and proud to be. Yay. so, <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, so what, what's happening now that it's, it's come to the end and you've raised the money?
4: Well, that's a fraction of the money. I mean, I, I would say that probably one of the biggest difference uh, between filmmaking and writing is that it's just so expensive. There's so many elements that, you know, we have to gather in addition to the words um, uh, that cost money. Archival footage, archival photographs, of course, my editor, who is fantastic and uh, doesn't come cheap. So the Kickstarter money um, is allowing us to now move forward and secure uh, Greg Snyder, who's our editor, uh, and the folks at Blue Chalk Media who are helping us with post-production, to be able to actually secure them now for... Uh, a a nice chunk of time so that we can really get into the meat and potatoes of making this film. We've made the trailer. We've now made an extended trailer that we're going to be using to submit for a couple grants. But this is going to be an hour-long documentary, so um, there's a lot of work to be done. So the Kickstarter will let us get going, and then hopefully that will help us to continue to generate more money. Um, We're in discussions right now with – WNET and American Masters, and we really feel like James Beard certainly was an American Masters, and then that's a perfect fit, so um, I think that will be helpful in raising money as well. So it's just the beginning, but uh, it is allowing us to now move forward, which is great.
2: Perfect. So when is the film, what's your, when are you hoping it's going to be out, or is it, are you trying to get it done for the Beard Awards in, in May? You bet. Okay, yeah. that's what I figured. That, that yeah. would be good timing. So we're all going to Chicago? <laughs> yeah,
4: um, At least for a sneak preview. I mean, as the person who has to actually finish this, <laughs> right? you know, um, 2015, 100%. Um, and hopefully, yeah, a sneak preview around the Beard Awards. And then you kind of go from there, film festivals, food festivals, TV, everything kind of gets rolled out, uh, you know after that so but certainly 2015 without a doubt and uh the path we're on now i think that's realistic
2: great i think you'll make it i i I think i believe okay (laughs) we're going to take another break here we're going to come back and do my speed round game and talk some industry news this is all in the industry and heritage radio network This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Kathleen Squires and Beth Federici, and Ronnie Rodriguez has left the building, so goodbye, Ronnie. He's off to his event. Bye,
1: Ronnie. Bye. Bye,
2: Ronnie. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to do my speed round game now. So what this is, is I'm going to name two things, and you just pick your preference. Uh, So... Whoever wants to go first or you can just chime in whenever
4: you go first.
2: Okay, okay. (laughs) So here we go. Eat in or eat out. Can I say both? You can (laughs) say whatever you want. There's no there's
1: no right or wrong. I love the restaurant scene and I love keeping up with what's new. There's so many new things to discover. So I would say I love to eat out. And then, hey, once in a while, you got
4: to cook. You got to stay in. Got it. Yeah. Um, I would have to agree with Cassie, although now um, the restaurant scene is not out my door like it is hers, so I probably do spend more time in, but uh, I love them both.
2: Cool. Okay. How about wine, beer, or cocktail?
4: Wine.
1: Beer. (coughs) Excuse me, beer.
2: Tasting menu or a la carte?
4: Tasting menu. A la carte.
2: Small plates or large plates?
4: Small.
1: No, I go small too, just because you get to try more. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tipping or all inclusive charge? Tipping. Tipping, for sure. People, I think, um, you know, if they go above and beyond, they should definitely get above and beyond. Right.
2: Hmm. How yes. about communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Yeah, chef's counter. I like to watch the action. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. <laughs> Directing, producing, or writing.
1: My answer is my answer is writing.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Hmm. You're (laughs) stuck. It's tough, but I mean. um, Yeah. yeah. You said producing and directing. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay, a couple more. Um, Investors are crowdsourcing. Ooh. Investors are less stressful. <laughs> <And investors. laughs> Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese, Cheese plate. plate. In unison on that. Okay, <laughs> hey, last. We didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Last one: Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Portland? <laughs> I'm gonna <Ooh>. say Manhattan.
4: <laughs> I'm gonna say Portland.
2: All right. But it's so nice to have, such, to have my own
4: room at 130 Barrow. Yes. <laughs> That's got, a, like, a little plaque on the door there.
2: She'll, she'll be coming, <laughs> actually, uh, this Friday. Lucky, Yay! lucky you. Awesome. Go parts. <laughs> okay, so I, I waited to ask my question that I had from last week. Um, I asked my guest, Scott Feldman, to ask you a question. Scott is from 212 Next. And I waited because he did a spin off my speed round game. So I figured I'd wait. Um, First of all, he gives you a lot of credit for working on this ambitious project of the documentary. And he wants to know how you think James Beard would answer the following questions of my speed round. So here we go. Dine in or dine out? Ooh, wow. Um,
4: It's funny. I was just reading something in one of the books today. I mean... um, I think that, uh, I like Kathy, I think he really enjoyed both.
1: Yep, I second and that. Because he sure. had,
4: you know, such amazing friends, dining in for him was often like dining out. So he got to have the best of both worlds. Okay.
2: But he also,
1: he loved being treated like a king at the Four Seasons yes, and absolutely. restaurants like that.
2: Yeah. All right, so we'll give him a both. How about bar or, or dining room
1: as his choice? I would say dining room because he was so large. That I can't see him <laughs> just sitting comfortably on a bar stool. And yeah. he, he's the type of uh, gentleman who loved to hold court. So I pictured exactly. him holding court at a large dining table.
4: Yeah. And I also think at that time, um, you know, bar stools were really bar stools. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I, I think he would have not thought it was up to his caliber.
2: Okay. How about savory or sweet Mm. I would say you know, savory because that I onion story. Savory. Yeah, you want to yeah. tell the onion story? Yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean when
4: he <laughs> was even just a toddler, he he managed to crawl into his mother's kitchen and ate an entire onion. Um, with the skin, and always laughed at. you know, that's why he had such a closeness to the onion. Um, but also, growing up out in Portland at the time that he grew up, um, while there were some sweets, there was a lot more fresh fruit, um, and I think that um, at the end of the day, he loved cheese, and he, yeah, I think savory, definitely.
2: Wow, onion story, awesome. Yeah. Okay, last one, dump and stir or competition TV show?
4: Uh, Mo, I would say dump and stir.
2: Well,
1: that's I, I would say that too because of, that was the format of his show, and he had friends like Julia Child and Jacques Pepin who who followed that format. But, but Beth, couldn't you just see him as a former actor relishing the role of being a judge on an Iron Chef or something?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that he would not want to compete, but <laughs> if, he, if, they, if he was asked to be a judge, he would be all over that. Huh. But, I think, if he was going to be um, actually cooking, I think he he, what he I think his whole mission was that you you know home cooks because at, at the time he started you know we have to remember that we were really in the quick casserole days. he just felt like why you know it doesn 't have to be this you know diametrically opposed world of either the fancy restaurant or the Campbell soup that home cooks could cook really great stuff for not a lot of money uh, as long as they you know could get the proper ingredients and he was all about seasonal and so I feel like um, you know he he would love to see that tradition kind of continue
2: well i 'm super glad that Scott asked that question. It was great because it brought yeah. out a lot more information. it was very interesting. So that was terrific. Thank you. Now, industry news. I want to talk about this this in the New York Times. They had out Newark Airport lands big name chefs and it was by Florence Fabricant. And I mean the list of the amount of chefs that are now involved in at Newark Airport, um they did 120 million they're doing a 120 million dollar upgrade. So just to name a few because I couldn't believe how many. They have They have Alex Garnaschelli, Jack Torres, Paul Liebrandt, Dan Kluger, Amanda Cohn, Jose Garces, Harold Moore. I mean, the list goes on and on. And um, I think think a lot of people are excited to fly out of Newark all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) I know that it will
1: encourage me to fly out of Newark. I mean, luckily, I only have to walk down the block to go to Harold Moore's Commerce. But I would eat his food anywhere, anytime. So I'll go to Newark for the likes of Harold
2: Moore and that list. And I have to say, Harold Moore is, is a chef who I ran into recently, and he told me he listens to my show and likes it, and hey, it made Mom. my day. Yay. So thank you, Harold, if you're <laughs> listening now.
4: Um, Sherry, let me tell you one other thing, because all roads lead to James Beard, that um, it, this is a long tradition. Um, Joe Bauman Restaurants Associates, the very first restaurant that James Beard ever worked on as a restaurant consultant was the Newarker. And if you go online mm-hmm. and look up the Newarker and see the groovy pictures of this restaurant in the 50s at Newark Airport when flying was still so glamorous, um, you can see it's just coming completely full circle, and it makes sense because um, I, I feel like, you know, flying has become like taking the bus in many ways. <laughs> and it would be nice to have a little elegance come back to <laughs> to the airport.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think this is really exciting they're doing i mean uh with JFK terminal 2 that i don't know a couple of years ago that's in a sense started the newer trend of this um, I just couldn't believe how many people were involved It's uh, it, you it's could insane. just spend like a month just eating <laughs> at the airport yeah. if you get yeah. stuck
4: <laughs> and I will tell you Portland has been rated like the number one airport in America for many years in a row I think and um, we have fantastic food and drink at the Portland airport so I never mind getting there early um, because you know I always know that I'm going to be able to have a great beer or a glass of wine and and good food. So, it's uh, and of course I grew up in New Jersey, as did Kathleen. So I fly into Newark all the time. So it'll be nice uh, for Newark to come back to its roots.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I think it, it will be great. Um, some sad news uh, I wanted to just bring up. It was in Gothamist how beloved village shop Bonnie Slockett's Cookbooks, well, the cookbook shop, it was on West 10th Street, is being forced to close and it's been there for 15 years. I'm thinking you're familiar with it because it's your neighborhood. Bonnie's in I mean. our film. Oh, and, she is. Yeah, and oh, she oh, has wow. helped
1: us tremendously. She has um, let us c- kind of go through her collection, her James Beard collection, and she is uh, an authority on cookbooks and she's in our film, and we are tremendously sad about this.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm yep. sure. I had no idea she was in your film, but um, yeah, it's 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 heartbreaking when when businesses that uh, are so loved and and I don't know, just I just read that the landlord wasn't renewing her lease. So
4: yeah, uh, um, I have talked to her though um, a little bit on email, and she is looking for a new space. So that's good. Great. Um, and she might actually get to take a vacation that she hasn't yeah, been able mm-hmm. to take. She will be in that spot through Christmas, so certainly people should go support her and buy. if you're buying Christmas cookbooks, you should go to Bonnie's, and um, then she'll get a little break, and then hopefully she'll relocate, but yeah, it's sad, and it's I think um, it's, been, it's been happening in New York for a long time, right? Great old businesses are getting pushed out, and yeah. I, people think they're going to make a lot of money, but you're going to lose the character, so hopefully she will literally pop up somewhere
2: else yeah i hope so too okay we're gonna take one more break here and we're gonna come back and do my solo dining experience this is all in the industry on heritage radio network All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, this week I checked out Shuko. Here's the rundown. The location, East 12th Street between Broadway and University Place. The concept, Japanese sushi omakase-only restaurant. The chefs, Nick Kim and Jimmy Lau. Why did I go? Because this duo made their mark at Netta for their superb Japanese cuisine and sushi, and there was much anticipation for their brand new place. My experience. I made a reservation for one on Saturday night. Yes, I took myself out for omakase. I was seated at the sushi counter right in front of Chef Darren, who worked meticulously as he prepared the sushi for the six of us on his side of the counter. Service was genuine and on point. What did I get? Green tea and omakase, of course. No menu was presented, it turned out to be 27 small plates or bites. My take? It was terrific. Everything was super fresh. The composed dishes to start were original and beautifully presented, and the sushi from the hamachi to the giant scallop were delicious. Highlights for me were the first amused pistachio bite, the caviar and toro, and the apple pie as a finale. The scene? It's a 20-seat sushi counter with comfortable stools, and there are six seats at tables on the side. Low lighting, modern, yet comfortable design. And the playlist is hip-hop, R&B, and soul. It's perfect for dining solo or date night. Interesting tidbit. According to Chef Darren, the entire team of Netta is now at Shuko. Personal fun fact. I beat Josh Beckerman, a.k.a. the foodie magician, to this new spot, which is hard to believe as he's always at the new places opening night and he loves sushi. The cost... $175 pre-tax and tip. Would I go back? On a date on someone else's dime? For sure. Ask me out. Website, shukonyc.com Okay, now, time for the final question. So, I'm away next week, but then my next guest is Steve Cuzo, the New York Post restaurant reviewer. So, Kathleen and Beth, I wanted to see if you could ask him a question.
4: Sure. I'm um, going to leave this one to you. Oh, are you sure? Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, okay. My question for
1: Steve is, I actually went to a restaurant he wrote about and raved about that was quite under the radar, and that is Clement Restaurant at the Peninsula Hotel. I think that Chef Brandon Keita was a great discovery of Steve's. So I want to know what other secrets Steve is keeping from us. What other under-the-radar chefs? What were some of the his pleasant surprises of the year?
2: That's a great question. and I, That's a
4: great question. Yeah,
2: I'm not, I haven't been to that restaurant, and I think That's Steve, great. Steve, I bet, does have some secrets he might not share with all of us. So. Yeah, he's going to now, because I asked. <laughs> yeah. He has I no guess, choice, live I I, radio. I think of
4: one question, because mm-hmm. this, you know, this is Kathy's world, not mine, but I guess one question would be, is there any restaurant that is not open anymore that he wishes that he could have oh. dined at? That's a good question. Okay.
2: Yeah. Two good questions. The
4: historian in me always goes back in time.
2: Not surprised you guys had two good questions. (laughs) Well, this flew by, but thank you so much. This has been fun. Sherry, it's been great. Thank you so much, Sherry. Well, you're welcome, and congratulations. I can't wait to see the documentary. I've been talking to Kathleen Squires and Beth Federici. They are the co-producers of America's First Foodie. Their website is americasfirstfoodie.com, and on on twitter they are at first foodie at k squires nyc at federici films my twitter is at sherry bayer at bayer pr at all industry and at heritage underscore radio if you miss the live broadcast you can always find us archived at heritage radio org, and we are on stitcher and itunes thanks to my engineer jack and thanks to beth kathleen and ronnie I will be away next week, but please uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving and come back Wednesday, December 3rd. I will have a live show then with Steve Cuzzo. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network, and uh, that's it. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org.
3: down there that-